No, but it's been good because we've been going through this idea, and I'm just going to recap a little bit of what we're going through and why um, for those who haven't been here or, or just are just jumping in. Um, we've been talking about this kingdom culture values. It's important that we understand the culture of the kingdom, like cult, God's culture. Because, you know, again, we, we know our culture, the American culture, is very, very what it is. Even, again, like, but you have the diversity in all the different parts and the regions of the United States. And then you have the, the whole world, and you have huge diversity in how cultures are handled and things are handled. And, you know, even down to, like, the way you say pop or soda or, like, things like that. Like, just there's little nuances. There's language. There's things that'll make you stick out for what you, where you are from. People know where you're from by your dialect, which, again, I didn't realize I had an accent until, like, well, until somebody pointed it out to me. <laughs> I was like, hey, you have an accent. I'm like, what? I thought I was just non, like, non-regional. Like you know, I have an accent. So every one of us have something in us, a culture that we're a part of. And the reason why we want to know what the culture, like, so, you know, we are American, right? But the first things first, we are not just Americans we're actually believers, so that actually we're, we're dual we're, we're citizens. We are in this kingdom. We're not of this earth, right? We are citizens in his kingdom, his earth. His earth is going to be established here on, here on earth as it is in heaven. We want his kingdom. So it starts with us. Um, he, we, we, I talked about it a while ago. We're not going to look the same. We're going to be a little weird because of the things we do. Um, the things like, I'm going to just recap. If we believe in just Jesus and the gospel message, already we stand out pretty weird because we're very much about the Bible. We're very much about Jesus is the only way, the truth, and the life. We only believe in that. That is it. And if we don't believe in that, we need to talk because that is important that we believe all in that together. Um, we talk about joyful repentance, and actually we are on this and we're continuing on this because it is our joy. It sounds weird to say joyful repentance. Don't you mean like sorrowful repentance? Mourning, uh, cruddy feeling, repentance. Like, no, it's like, God, it's my joy to turn to you. It's my joy to turn away from where I was and to turn back to you again and to be in full um, obedience, full relationship, full relationally wholeness. That's what we want. And we talk about courageous, well, we go into courageous initiatory leadership. That's a tongue twister right there. Um, but we talk about, like, we're all called to lead. Again, this is not for church leaders. This is for church people. Everyone who's a believer, who calls themselves a believer in Christ, walks in these things. We walk in a create. We're all called to lead somehow. What does that mean? I don't know what it means for you, but God has called you to lead in wherever you are. He's called us to be radical servants. We want to be servants in the kingdom. Jesus served the least of those. He served his, his disciples. We want to emulate that. We want to be speaking life. We want to be, I mean, again, we, we do prophetic words. We want to speak life. We want to say, speak the, the word over each other, which we get to do today, by the way. We get to do that today. And I'm excited about that. Um, we do presence-centered living. We get to talk about that because we are not, um, I, I realize that a lot of us as Christians, we like, again, especially men, because we're waffles. And if you've never heard the waffle versus spaghetti, I will explain it to you real quick. Men are like waffles in this way, and I have to joke about it a lot with my wife because like, I'm like, hold on, let me get in my section because I think 100% in that hole of that waffle. And then if you ask me about another topic, it takes me a minute to get over to the next section. I can't bounce back and forth very well. I'm very bad at it. I work on it, but I'm not good. But women are like spaghetti, and there's all these, you know, everything's connected, and that's wonderful. I wish I could think like you, but I can't. But praise God. 
But what we do as Christians is we live a waffle life mentality. We are, I go to Jesus, I go to my Bible only when I need him, when things are just hit the fan. I only, that's the only time. That's the only time we go to him. But that's not how we're called to live. We're supposed to call at all times. I love like Michelle just shared, every moment, give him thanks, give praise to him, be aware of his presence, be aware that he delights in us and delighted him. We're called to have faith. We're called to have a, a believe 100%. It's not by our works, it's by our faith that we are saved. We walk and declare that he is who he is. It's unoffendable heart that we need to have walk in an unoffendable heart. That doesn't mean we never get offended. It means we walk in unoffense. We walk in mercy and grace, and we forgive for those who persecute you and hurt you and delight. I mean, they do it. Some people do it for on purpose, just to just to tick you off. Especially those people on the road. Yeah, they don't do it on purpose. Um, but there are some people that do not like you. You know, for your for your race, for your faith, for the way you talk, for just just for whoever you are, they don't like you. And maybe they just don't like you. Yeah, maybe they don't like you just because the way they woke up that morning. But again, does that mean, again, oh, well, but here's the thing. Us brothers and sisters in Christ, we never get along. We get along all the time, right? Do we get along all the time? Do you guys like each other pretty well for the most part? But have you guys ticked each other off yet? I'm sure you have. That's okay. That's family. <laughs> Families do that. Families make each other mad. Other churches make you mad. Other people make you hurt you and say mean things and and they don't think about the things that they say, but we need to walk in on a defense. We'll talk about this more later. But I want to, again, I want to walk in on an offendable heart. I don't want to be offended. I want to walk in joyful repentance, mercy, kindness, humility. Humility, that's a hard one. But we're talking about happy holiness. It's our delight to be holy like he is holy. Set apart, look weird, be not of this world, not watch the things that the world watches, not do the thing that the world does, not because we want to be like a bunch of Pharisees, but because we want to walk in holiness. Stewardship and excellence. We talk about that. We want to be a good steward of what God's given us. We want to be an excellent in whatever God's doing. Not perfectionists, but excellent. We want to be excellent in what God's called us to do. We're all called to soul winning. We're called to win souls, and that means to speak the gospel, share the gospel. Blessed are the feet, blessed are the feet that go and share the gospel. That's, that's our feet, not my feet, your feet, all of your feet. You guys get to go everywhere. I keep picking on Sam, but he's not here today, so I can pick on him behind his back. Uh, but he, goes to, he works at McDonald's. He can be the person I can never be is behind the counter of McDonald's that can share the gospel and love people well. Man, praise. Because you guys get, I mean, no one, I don't, you might get in trouble if you go behind, behind there, but, um, but he can do that. He's allowed to. Um, and we're called to be teachable and of discipleship. We want to be discipled and we want to be disciplers. We want to be teachable. We want to be ready to be shaped and changed and molded because guess what? You're not perfect, but we're maybe being renewed and we're being sanctified. We want to be sanctified every day and we want to be discipled. So, that is it in a nutshell, but we'll be going deeper and deeper over the few weeks, next months, because <laughs> there's a lot of them. It's good. We want to be about this kingdom. So, whew, I'm out of breath already. No, this is good. Um, so, we're going to go about the kingdom culture values. We're on to this idea of joyful repentance. And let me grab this before I forget again. But here's the thing. We want to find, we find freedom in calling sin what it is and employing the weapon of joyful repentance to destroy that sin. To repent means to turn away from. Repentance is joyful because it removes obstacles to intimacy 
and opens doors to, great, to greater blessing and breakthrough. His kindness leads us to joyful repentance. So we're going to do this. I'm going to blaze through this because we did this last week. Talked about this last week, but I really want to recap it because we're going to jump into something different. So recap, lies. We talked about lies that we believe about sin and about our position in the kingdom. Um, first of all, my, my sin is too great. Or, you know, and we talked about that. It says in Romans 3, 10, 23 uh, through 24, um, as is written, there is no one righteous, not even one, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus. We, our sin is not too great. All of us have done it. All of us have blown it. We're all disqualified, except by God, except by the redemption through Jesus Christ. Lie two we talked about. My sin isn't that bad. We all sin. What's the big deal? It's a big deal. Sin is sin. There's one of the things I'm like, again, I was, it pricked on my heart. I'm like, there's little secret sins that we allow in our lives. And I, I really just pray. I mean, this week we've been spending time asking the Lord, what is the secret sin in my life that I'm not, that I'm struggling with or I'm frustrated about? And I, or it's just really, it's just pointing at me. Because again, like gossip. I'm pointing it out for churches because gossip, bitterness, some of these things are actually permissible in a lot of churches, and it's not. It's not permissible. We're not called to be bitter. We're not called to be gossipers. God calls us to speak life into one another, to talk to one another. So I'm doing that because there might be some of you that are like, I'm pretty good. No, you're not. We're sinners saved by grace, and I want to walk in holiness. It says in 1 John 3, Three through six, all who have this hope in and purify themselves just as he is pure. Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins, and in him is no sin. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. We want to live a life that is holy. Now, that does that, okay, does that crush you a little bit to feel like, wow, that weight of that, that, that verse? No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. Does that crush you a little bit? It does. Oh, my goodness, it does. And that's okay. But the weight of that is lifted because he is ready to forgive our sins. He is ready. He's always willing. That's the joy of it. Because for me, I struggle with the third lie. We have to earn his good graces. And that's not true either. We do not have to earn his good graces because it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. We don't have anything to boast about. We cannot earn that grace. We cannot. We cannot earn his mercy. He is ready and willing to give it to us if we ask, if we repent, if we joyfully turn away and, I, and again, I love this one, this, this little lie, too, that I struggle with in my life. Again, I'm just saying things that I remember in my life struggling through. God is ashamed of us when we sin. That is a hard one for me because, again, like if you ever get in trouble with your parents or, I mean, again, for some of you, I'm not giving you a hard time, but it might have been a while ago. It might have been that you remember getting in trouble with your parents. But I'm sure you could remember that moment, that moment where you're like, oh, you feel like crud. You're like, man, I blew it. You know, my, I mean, I did things that were like, I always gave my sister a hard time. I can give her a hard time now. But she was sneaking. <laughs> if she's watching online, I'm sorry. 
I'm ratting you out. No, it's uh, but she, I mean, again, like things like the moments of just just totally destroying things. Like, I mean, re- wrecking your dad's truck is kind of one of those things. I've wrecked my dad's my dad's car. I mean, we've all blown it, and we've all come in with that that just shuffling feet feeling, and just your feet feel like jello slash lead. Um, it's like how they are both, um, and you're just like, oh, I blew it, God. I blew it, Dad. I'm sorry. And you feel like you have to walk in this, now this timid feeling afterwards. You're like, I don't know if you really care about me. I don't know if you really forgive me. I don't know if we're back to okay. And yeah, the reality is that, you know, the vehicle is destroyed. That's fine. But okay, that's the consequence of that is like there's some consequence of that. But here's the reality. God is ready to forgive us. I mean, we equate God sometimes, and this is a weird picture. I'm going to share it again. I always equate, like, I'm in the throne room. I've blown it, and guess what I do? I go and grab these pieces of cardboard. I don't know where they came from in the, the, in the throne room, but I found pieces of cardboard, and I'm, like, laying them over my head and covering myself in this little box because I don't want to, oh, I'm so bad. I'm so terrible, and it's, it's shame. That's shame covering me up from the glory of God and the encounter of what he loves, thinks about me, what he loves about me. And I just hear this little you know, what's going on in there? And I'm like peeking out and there's Jesus. You know, he's like, what? What are you doing? And the father, especially as a father, I'm like, if you have any father wounds, uh, as a father, I'm looking at him because if you've seen Jesus, you've seen the father. So the father's coming up to me and he's saying, what are you doing in there? Get out of there. Repent. Come back. Let's push delete. Let's go. Let's go again. Isn't that fun? And he just loves us and he's smiling at us. He's not mad at us. He's not disappointed in this. He's not surprised. He's Alpha and Omega. He knows what we're going to do. So he's not surprised. So uh, 2 Corinthians 7.10, godly sorrow. This is the point of godly sorrow. That moment where you either have the choice of repenting or hiding in your shame box. Godly sorrow is meant to bring repentance, not hiding, not shame. That leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. I would rather repent Gladly repent rather than live with shame and condemnation and walk in just brokenness. In Romans 8, it says, okay, so this is the one. I remember telling you last week. It was a long one last week. I'll tell you what. We had so many passages, and I think I sent them all to you. So if you guys got them, let me know. If you did not get them, also let me know because I really, really, really want to get you those passages that we read through. But one of them that didn't make it um, was Romans 8, because I really mean it. I want to read all of Romans 8. Because here's the thing, I love Paul. Again, you should read all of Romans. I've been spending the last few weeks just reading Romans, all of it, just over and over and over again, because he has a full thought. Everything isn't encapsulated in one verse. There's a lot of context. So you need to read and have context of what he's talking about. So we're going to have a little context for all of Romans. So Romans 8. <laughs> So let's see here. Read along with me if you can, or read in your word, um, in your Bibles or your phones. Um, Therefore, there is no, now, now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemns sin in the flesh in order that the righteousness, the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. 
Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Let me make sure I'm not like way ahead. Okay. Oh, I am. Sorry. Oh, yeah. There we go. Ha. Now you can catch up. The mind governed by the flesh is, okay, those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of a sin Spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have, no, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you, if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Put to death. Don't deal with. Don't just let them in your life. Don't let them be your friends. Don't let them as your baggage. Put to death. We don't allow little th- sins. We don't allow little things like that. Put to death the misdeeds of the body. You will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. The creation awaits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself would be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Childbirth. We're groaning. You're about to experience that soon. You're about to experience it soon. It's rough. Have you ever experienced childbirth? It's rough. And I've only watched it. So I have never, I have never experienced it. I will never experience it. But let me say I'm haunted by the fact that it is so intense. It's so aching. The world is aching for us to be showing who we are, showing who God is in us. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we await or eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this we hope, in this hope we are saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they've already have? Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. 
And in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. Man, that's your prayer language right there. Wordless groans. We don't know what we need sometimes. We just need to sometimes just say, you know what? Pray for your prayer language. Ask for that. Because sometimes we don't know what we need. But God does. He knows what we're about to encounter, and He knows what we have encountered. He knows what we're struggling through. So sometimes we just need to take a little time and just pray. And not pray when we have our prayer closet, but pray without ceasing. Because again, present-centered living, we want to be present with Him. And He who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance to the will of God. I don't know if I read that right. Oh, I know what? That's twice. Ha. Huh. I was copying and pasting. So anyway, <laughs> and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called to his purpose. I love that we're reading this verse in the context of what we're talking about. We know that all things, God, work, God works things for good. We like to use that because we like to use it as our, everything should be fun and good, right? No, in our sufferings, God is good. In context of what he's talking about, he doesn't do things just to make things easy on us. He doesn't do it for our, our enjoyment, our fun and delight. And it's just, it sometimes does not feel delightful, but God does do these things. He works. We know that all things work for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those who God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Not even us. We can't justify ourselves. It is God who justifies us. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Not even you. Not even your friends. No one can condemn you. Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. He prays for you. He delights in you. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? I want to bring these up because sometimes when we hit those moments where we're in trouble, where there's hardship, where there's persecution, you like, we like to do the thing of like, God, why are you allowing this to happen to us? What is wrong with you? Like, what did I do wrong? Oh, no. It's like, no, he does not stop loving you. Nothing separated that. Nothing stopped that. Those things still happen, but he didn't do it. And he is also not, he's not doing this as a judgment to you. As it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We're considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything in creation 
will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Nothing. Nothing. Nothing can separate us from the love of Jesus. It's one of those things I really just want you to know that nothing, I don't, not some things, nothing, everything is under him. And he established that you are saved, you are forgiven, you are free. Stop walking and wallowing like you can actually make yourselves feel bad. You can make yourselves feel bad and separate yourself for no reason. He delights in you. He wants you to go, come on, start again. Yeah, sure, you're getting struggles with this thing. Push delete, come back, let's do it again. But put to death these things because here's the thing. I want you to keep putting those things to death. Keep putting those things to death because I don't want those to hurt you. I don't want you to feel like crud all the time. I want you to live in freedom. Why don't we walk hand in hand? Pray without ceasing. Walk in forgiveness. Walk in humility. Walk in trust because we cannot do this by ourselves. That's why we get in trouble a lot of the times is because we get those high moments and those good moments where we feel great. We don't need him. Surprise, you need him. You need him all the time, every day. We cannot live without his grace. We cannot live without his mercy. I'm haunted by that. I was reading through it, and I'm just like, Lord, thank you for not judging me for my sin right now because, man, I would blow it. I'd be broken. I'd be destroyed. But Jesus, in his abundant mercy, has forgiven us, and it's our delight that his delight to shed mercy it's not our desire to see him up on that cross day after day. We keep, you know, like it says, does that mean grace needs to abound in more and more? No, by all means, stop sinning. But here's the point. Ask for forgiveness, walk in holiness. So that is a recap, a real short recap of last week. But here's the point. I want us to be application people, people who do the things that we call us to do. We don't want to be like, hey, that was nice. I love chewing on that little bit of, you know, cheese or whatever. I don't, we're not a buffet of just grabbing little pieces and go. We're about application. I want you to chew on this. I want you to try it with people. I want you to talk about it with people. So that's what we're going to do. And if you're new, there's no pressure. But I do encourage you just to say, I just want to see what we have here. We're trying things new. So this is new for everybody. So the application is the four R's. This is something that's fun. And I love when I heard this. I'm like, this is just perfect language. Again, like you don't have to go this, then this. But it's, it just flows. So first of all, we walk in freedom with these easy-to-remember tools. <laughs> Practicing frequent joyful repentance is a key to living with a clean and vibrant heart before our good Father who loves to see us running back to Him. In Romans 2, 4, it says, Oh, or do, you, uh, or do you presume on the riches of His kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? So, first of all, what do we do? Repent. God, I blew it. I did this again. Struggle with this again. Or maybe it's the first time and you're just like, Ooh, you've been pointing at this one for a long time. I've been angry at somebody. I think, again, I, I'm, I'm, I'm hinting at anger because that is something that I struggle with. I like to be mad at people, and I like them to not know about it because I think that if... <laughs> I mean, do you guys all struggle? It, it's fine to be angry, right? You can just be angry, and I just won't talk to them again. 
I'll just uh, deal with them later in life, maybe in heaven. Maybe I'll talk to them then. But like that's the idea. We sometimes just wait for heaven to walk in what? What is, what is this what we're doing? And I would be so mad. In fact, I remember this one time. Oh, man. And it was really honestly something that was frustrating but also kind of petty. Um, I was just mad because I was supposed to do this job with this video, video with this one guy. I used to do video work. I wanted to do a video with this guy. I put a lot of work into prepping for this video. I was like just working. I worked like two weeks on getting prepped to just do this thing. And then he blew me off. Like I was going to give him like, like, I like do it basically for free. And he blew me off and forgot to, and just didn't talk to me about it and just did his own thing. He's like, oh, oh soup, sorry. <laughs> I'm like, you jerk. <laughs> that was my thought. Like, just, oh, that was just so selfish. Why would he do that? And then, and then what happened, happened was I slowly let that one moment, which again, in context now, it doesn't seem like that big of a deal. It is frustrating, legitimately frustrating. But I let it become a problem. I let it become even a bigger problem. And I kept inner dialoguing about it. And then I never talked to the guy. And it's just like, well, we'll talk to him. And, and he has no idea. He has no clue I'm mad at him. He has no clue that we're out of relationship, that we are completely at odds with each other. And I know that he, he just did that to me on purpose, and it becomes a bigger thing. And the enemy starts speaking, and it becomes a bigger thing and a bigger thing. And what happens is by the time I've realized it, it has become a mountain from a molehill. We have, I've created something that should not have been there. And instead of repenting, I'm living in bitterness. Now, did the guy do something that made me mad? Yes, he did. Was he wrong? Yes, he was. And that's okay. And there's been moments that people have hurt me in the past. I'm, this is more of a silly one, but here's the reality. It took two years for me to feel fully convinced that I needed to call him. And he wasn't even in the state anymore. He was, we used to be friends. And so I was like, you know, I just need to call him. And I'm just like, I just need to call him and tell him I'm sorry. Like, for what? Like, what did I do? Did I sin against him? Yes, I did. I have bitterness. I'm bitter at him. I have an odd against him. And so I called him, and it was so awkward because I'm like, hey, by the way, and he's all happy. I am pretending to be happy for a second because I'm still like, oh, my gosh, I got to repent to you. I just say, dude, I've been so mad at you. I just want to say I'm sorry. I didn't bring up the thing he did against me. I was like, I've just been so angry. I know you meant to do this. I know that things have been weird for you, and I'm, I know it was just, you know, you weren't trying to do something to be mean at me, but it hurt me really a lot. It really hurt me that you did this. And I, but the problem isn't you. The problem is me. I'm sorry that I was bitter. I was angry at you, and I didn't even talk to you. I just repented to him. I said, I'm not asking you to repent. I'm just saying I'm sorry. That's it. I have nothing I'm trying to gain. I'm just trying to say I'm sorry, and I love you, and I appreciate you. And that was it. And he it's like, wow, I had no idea. Of course he didn't, because it was all me. It was all in my head. And he apologized. He's like, man, I can totally understand why you'd be frustrated. I really was being an idiot. I was being very immature about things. I was just in a weird place. And it was so beautiful. We just started encouraging one another. And I'm like, and automatically, within seconds, our whole relationship is restored, I'm not mad at him anymore. I mean, th- does that mean we have to be best friends? No. But now we can have friendship. Now we can have wholeness. Now we can be brothers in Christ. Because, again, I'm just, and I know it's silly, but here's the reality. A lot of us do that in churches because we don't, 
you know, there's the, there's the secret lust that we kind of do as men. Like, again, I, I don't think that's exclusive to men. I think we do struggle with that. And then we're like, well, there's nothing else we struggle with, right? That's, that's a lesson. That's it. No, we struggle with anger and lying, bitterness, resentment, covetousness. We want things. We wish we had the ministry that other people have. We have the sins in us that we struggle with. We wish that we could be like this person. We wish we could sing like that person. I wish I could act like that person. I wish I could be bold. And we're greedy. We could be doing these things. I just want to say, Lord, highlight the sin. Because I want, his, I want that gross thing that is in us to be highlighted and squished. I'm so sick of living in sin. I'm so sick of a church... Our church body, I don't want it for our church body. I want to start with holiness. I want to live in relational wholeness. Because again, when you're in sin, you act weird. It's just how you act. You act a little weird and you act a little insecure around people, especially the people that you probably are sinning against somehow. Again, it's just one of those things. You're going to feel like an oddball and you're not going to feel like you're belonging. And you're going to have the enemy speaking in your mind and you're giving him root to speak things into you that you do not need to be hearing. And it's only because you're allowing little secret sins in your life. And I want to catch those stinking foxes that are destroying what God is creating in you, the fruit that God is bearing in your life. I'm speaking that over myself and I'm speaking over you. So I just, I'm very adamant. I need to smile more because I, I, anyway, never mind. I have this face when I get intense and I get excited. I also look like I'm not happy anymore. (laughs) So I apologize. I'm very adamant and I'm excited. I want this for you. I want relational wholeness. I want it for me. I want us to all live in this. So we're going to continue on. Wow, that's a good bunny trail right there. Um, But we talk about repentance. Repent, therefore, and turn back that your sins may be blotted out. And then we receive his forgiveness. If we confess our sins, this is the truth. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then after that, we rebuke, because guess what? Like, I love what Michelle was saying, like the enemy was just speaking into something. He's ready to say, are you sure? Are you sure that he cares about you? Are you sure that he loves you? Are you sure that you're worthy? Are you sure that that person really, are you sure you really mean it? Are you really sorry? Like, just all the little things that he tries to undermine us and destroy us. But no, we say, we rebuke him. Then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the God, Lord your God, and to him, and him only shall you serve. James 4, 7 says, submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. This is a promise. We need to submit ourselves to God and rebuke the enemy. And then not only that, because again, like, you know, it talks about you, you know, send one demon out and then seven comes back in. Now, Instead of just having a clean house, you need to replace this house, the things that are in this room. I mean, if you guys heard of that, 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 there's a, I mean, Jesus is sharing. I wish I had the reference right now, but Jesus is sharing, like, you know, you rebuke one demon out, and then later on a few come back in because you're not replacing it with something. You're not replacing it with salvation. You're not replacing it with the truth of God of who he says he are. And so what we need to do is replace it. Replace the lie that he's speaking over us with truth. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. In Galatians 2, 20, it says, I have been crucified with Christ. 
it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You're dead. So you speak that over. You're a new creation. So we're going to do that. So you have these little wonderful lots. It's for you guys, I have two papers. For you guys, you have one. These are some truths. These are some passages. But these are promises of who you are. These are your birthright. This is who God has called you to be. First of all, you are seated in the heavenly realm with Christ and all his authority over Satan's kingdom. You are that. That is you. You are God's workmanship, his handiwork, born anew in Christ to do his work. You are a fellow citizen with the rest of God's family. You do belong. So just reading these things, it starts giving you some shape, some identity of who you're called to be and replacing lies of who God, Satan, who the enemy has called you, things that he said about you or he's saying about other people. This is also good for other people. You know, when you get mad at somebody, you know, especially your brothers and sisters of Christ, you speak that over them too. Because that's the, the easy part is just to say, oh, this is for me. No, it's for us. We're called to do this for us. So, Dakota, I'm going to pick on you for a second. Dakota, you're one of God's living stones being built up in Christ as a spiritual house. That's who you are. Isn't that good? We need a, we need a, you are, you're an enemy of the devil. Isn't that good? You're a fighter. Becky, you are born of God and the evil one, the devil must go through God to touch me, to touch you. And that's the truth of you are. Micah, you are seated in the heavenly realm with Christ and all his authority over Satan's kingdom. That's you. Isn't it good? And we get to do this because, again, I am not going to do it all. I'm not called to do it all. You're called to do it out of your mouth, speaking truth over people. That is so fun. <laughs> <laughs> 